Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Weber. Today I'm speaking with best-selling author and remote work and travel expert, Michael Swigunski. Michael, or Mike, joins us from Tbilisi in Georgia. And I want to have a conversation with him today because although it's not directly linked to customer experience, I do think that we've been all forced into embracing remote working. And with Mike being such an expert, hopefully he can help us look after our stamina, cultivate some traits that would be really valuable, especially as this global change of working continues. So with that in mind, let me please introduce you to Mike. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Weber. Um, Today, I would like to welcome Mike Swigunski. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Brenton. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, remote work and everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, this year certainly seems to be the year where more and more of us are having to embrace the the, the 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 ability of working remotely. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those years where everyone's getting forced into a, a free trial of remote working and not under the most typical circumstances. So if you're not loving the, the normal day-to-day right now, just keep in mind that this isn't the normal remote working environment. You know, there's a pandemic going on. You normally, you know, don't have your kids at home full-time. Uh, and there's just a lot less stresses going on because you're able to get out and do stuff. So you're able to kind of achieve that work-to-life balance. So I think oh, after all, there's going to be a lot of benefits coming out of this year. And it's really pushed the remote workforce ahead probably 10 to 15 years. So there's a lot of great things that are going to happen. Uh, we're going in the right direction. So if you're not enjoying it right now, just stay positive. And I think next year is going to look a lot brighter for everyone. Yeah, because because these stresses that we're experiencing, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I said to you just briefly in the green room, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired at the end of this year, um, and I'm and I've been relatively lucky. I really know that. Like I, I started off the year in the UK, and I could <clears throat> COVID was kind of starting to circle a little bit, and I managed to get back to New Zealand just in time before our first and um, successful lockdown. Um, but we've we've had far fewer days throughout the year where we've been forced to be working virtually. And yet, I'm, 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 I'm just so tired after a year of it. I'm busier than ever because technology has, um, is facilitating more and more um, remote conversations, virtual conversations. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, it's all relative to what you're what you're used to, right? So a lot of countries now have it a lot worse than we have it here, but again, we I'm just comparing my work-to-life balance to what I had previously before lockdown. Yeah. So we just we just entered a yeah. lockdown and it's not that bad. Like there's a curfew at 9, you can't be out I think after like 5 a.m. or before 5 a.m. Uh, from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. But again, everything. Let, let us no know where around. you are as well, because according to I know that you're not where you are a remote 
we were working remotely from where you say you are in LinkedIn at the moment. So where are you, where are you at the moment, Mike? Yeah, so currently based in Tbilisi, Georgia, and have been based here since February. Uh, have been living kind of a nomadic lifestyle for the past decade, but I've always had a hub. And before we moved out to Tbilisi, Georgia, that hub was in Medellin, Colombia, and I was based there for around two and a half years. So uh, it's definitely been fortunate to be able to find a place that I can stay and, and live and build a comfortable lifestyle. Uh, like comparatively to, to Colombia, where they had a very strict lockdown and depending on what type of ID number you had allowed you to go outside on certain days at certain times. So if you had a, your ID was ending with a five, that means you could go out on Tuesdays and Thursdays between a, a set period of time. So we've never been on full lockdown like that. We've always been able to go outside mm -hmm. uh, between certain hours. But again, you know, now that with this new lockdown, I, I find myself just indulging on my work and because I don't really have many options to, to do stuff, to go to the gym, to go out and meet people at a restaurant. So yeah, I, I do think even myself, I, I'm aware of it and I'm conscious of it. And I think that's the first step is trying to structure your, your day and your life to, to really give you options to shut down. And there's a lot of tips that I can talk, talk about later that are going to help people that are working from home and, and kind of struggling with that work-to-life balance and what's worked for me personally and, and stuff you can easily implement into your your day-to-day -day life. Well, that's exactly why we wanted to have you on the show because our own mental health and our own um, ability to cope has a direct influence on our our delivery of customer experience and customer service. Um, I can feel that with my tiredness coming in at the end of the year that potentially, you know, um, I'm relying more on my systems than on my natural <laughs> ability just to be effervescent and to uh, deliver a good, good, good experience. Um, so yeah, but but before we get to that, let's just oh, I know you. We've we've been introduced. Some of the listeners, many won't know you, so could you just introduce yourself and you know explain how you got to where you are? I know that you've got a um, a book that you're promoting promoting at the moment, so let's talk a little bit about that before we get to all of these really great tips. Yeah, my name is Mike Swigunski. I'm the founder of Global Career and best-selling author of the book Global Career: How to Work Anywhere and Travel Forever. Essentially, the book outlines my previous ten years of working and traveling overseas and discusses how you can build a career while still traveling and enjoying your life. You don't have to put things on pause to travel, and you don't have to sacrifice your career. So it talks a lot about how people can work their way into remote working, building a side hustle, getting into entrepreneurship. And we help with a lot of our resources at globalcareerbook.com, where we offer you know a remote job board, a free book for the top 100 remote companies, and then on the other side, we help you know companies hire remote employees with our, our job website. And we primarily focus on non-technical remote jobs. And if you're listening in and you think you need to be a coder or developer to work remotely, that's definitely not true. There's a lot of opportunities in sales and marketing, customer service. Uh, there's so many options out there, even if you're not a, a skilled developer or coder. Uh, you just need to know where to look. And we help people kind of get into the remote workspace with a little bit more of a flexible working schedule than just being online from, from nine to five. 
It's funny. I've I've had to really focus on outcomes as opposed to activity and reduce the amount of activity, but make that activity far more impactful, um, so that I'm not constantly in my home office with my children playing outside, distracting, feeling guilty about um, taking time away from them, maybe not being as um, focused as I as I can be. These would be problems that all remote workers have on a less amplified basis or many remote workers would have on a less amplified basis when it's not because of this. What are some of those tips that we should be bearing in mind? Like what are the warning signs of burnout that we might be, (laughs) we might all be um, battling with even if we don't know that we are? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of warning signs. Like maybe you're having a, a more of a temper, or or maybe your your energy levels just aren't normally at where they're where they're at. Like you just feel exhausted, and like going through the motions doesn't feel great. So I would say that kind of like the the best habits to get into are primarily try to separate your your if you're working at home, try to separate your your working space from your living space. So if you have a, a area to have a home office, that's awesome. But not everyone has it. And if it could be as simple as just working from the kitchen table instead of working from the bedroom or from working from the living room couch, try to have that division because you want to really like separate your, your spaces because you're just going to have a different mindset and it's just not going to turn into like, okay, I'm watching Netflix from bed while working. You kind of get into bad habits with that and it really just combines too much of the area. So you want to be able to go into a certain space be able to turn on and be able to turn off. And I think that's probably where a lot of remote workers struggle. And I think having set times or set KPIs for your week and your day are going to really improve what you need to get done. Uh, I like to do weekly planning. So on Sundays, I'll plan everything I want to get done in that week, usually one to two things per day. And I try to limit myself to only working 20 hours per week personally, because I know that anything more than that, I should be outsourcing it. I should be trying to build automation or I should just, it's not going to be impactful enough. So if I can't get that done in the 20 hours, I'm not setting up my week for, to be an efficient week. I know not everyone can do that, but if you're working with your employer, you need to have a set KPIs that you're trying to hit each week instead of just focusing on, okay, you're working 40, 50 hours this week, but what, what were the what were the outcomes that came out of that? So trying to work with goals, weekly, monthly, and yearly goals with your company. And if you have employees, trying to figure out what those impactful KPIs are going to be to make sure that they're efficient, that they're being efficient while they're working. I can, I can imagine that there's been a lot of companies, well, I've, I've heard from companies that this year have had to change their mindset from how they're viewing their workers' time, their employees' time, from being about activity to being outcome-focused. Is remote working much more about that, about what the final output will be, product as opposed to to the process? Because as you say, process could be automated, should be automated. Yeah, I think a lot of companies are going to switch to that. You know, Instead of focusing on the inputs, they're going to be focusing on the outputs but it's going to take time for some of these big corporations to get there. They're just not, they weren't really prepared for this transition. So I, I do have friends at, at large corporations where they, they literally can finish their work in 20, 30 hours in the week, but then they have to sit there and like move their mouse around to show that they're active and online. I was like, that that's just so dumb. Like, you know, 
if you were structured in the right way, you should be, I don't know, incentivized for, for finishing your work and being efficient with it, not, not penalized. Right. Mm. So <laughs> there, there's going to be a lot of big co- corporations like that, that are going to have to really make some transitions to setting up KPIs and, and different metrics for, for measuring success and efficiency. Uh, because a lot of times when you cut out the, the two hour commute, and you're in a, a home working environment. A lot of studies have shown that efficiency actually increases from from working remotely. Mm. Well, it is it it is always about working smarter and not harder. Um, there's um, there's a growing movement here in New Zealand and and globally about um, driving the four day week. There's a guy called Andrew Barnes, and he's proven that there's so much more productivity with less time invested. Um, if people are one feeling valued, but also they have time to do, they have a better work-life balance. Their productivity, their output becomes so much um, better. Um, and and surely that's one of the the one of the the proposed benefits of remote working is the the benefit for you to be able to manage your life better, to be able to not work to live, but live to work. Uh, sorry, not live to not to live to work, but to work to live. Is that right? Have I got it the right way around? I believe it. Yeah, I think you got it there. Uh, yeah, now. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree with that. I remote work is our present right now. That's that's currently happening. The majority of the world is remote working, and I see the future of work kind of molding around your life. And you kind of you know, right now work is molding around your life, but it's going to be switching to where. You're going to have flexible schedules. You're going to be able to choose when you when you work at what times you work, and a lot of companies are already offering this. Like you mentioned, the the four hour work week or the four day work week instead of the the five day work week. Uh, there's a few companies like Unilever, a company that I spoke to recently, Buffer, who are testing out the the four day work week to yeah. see how efficiency works out. And so we're going to be getting a lot of that data. And if it's successful, I think a lot of other companies. Are going to quickly realize that you know we're going on this five day structure. I believe it's based off of like I don't know the I think I want to say it's like based off of like Henry Ford's kind of uh, assembly line working where it was like a forty hour week, five days a week. Maybe it goes back further than that, but I know it's not. And he was probably quite a pioneer, and he probably moved from the six day week um, when right. people only got one day off. Um, and then if you go further back, you were, you pretty much just got your public holidays off. You didn't even get, you know, and you got your, you got your holy day, um, the religious day, um, off. Um, so it's definitely, we're going in the right direction when it comes to that work-life balance. Thank goodness. Yeah. And and I think we can honestly like learn a lot from Australia, New Zealand. I've worked locally in both those countries and, I was almost shocked. Like I had some Kiwi friends who were essentially forced to go on vacation by their company. I'd never heard of this where they, you know, literally were, were told by their bosses, if you don't go on vacation, you're going to get in trouble because the government has certain regulations about, you know, mandatory vacation time. And I think that's something that, that could definitely be implemented worldwide. And I think in the U S and I've also worked in South Korea where they've kind of got this hustle hustle kind of mindset which can be good to an extent but sometimes it can be unhealthy where you're in for example in south korea a lot of times they they'll have to stay in the office until their boss goes home so they'll be sitting in the office for 
60, 70 hours just to put, put on face, to put on show that they're working. Sometimes they'll even fall asleep there. And, you know, they're only actually getting, you know, 30, 40 hours of efficient work done, but they're just kind of acting like putting on this show that they're, they're working hard and hustling. And, and they are very hard workers and very hardworking people, but it's kind of this weird work culture that, I don't know, it's not very sustainable and it, it doesn't seem like it's the most efficient. So I, I hope uh, a lot of these countries that, that have that mentality are able to make a, a shift. And I would say New Zealand and Australia are really good leading examples of that where you're able to have a productive uh, economy while still having more of a, a work-to-life balance that allows people to to kind of put that focus on building a life that they actually really enjoy. Absolutely. It is It is very much like that. I mean, I see my kids morning and evening, and I'm talking about when I'm not working remotely. Um, whereas where I'm from originally, um, my original professional career was in London, where I regularly saw people that or new people that hardly saw their kids apart from at the weekends because of the commute and because of the the hours that were required in the office. Um, do you think that this year with the realisation of the benefits of remote working and virtual offices and virtual workers um, and your prediction that you know, we've moved forward maybe 15 years, are we also going to see a big explosion towards that corporation of one, the, the, the remote working entrepreneur um, who, like with, with, with kind of our narrative through this conversation, is very much being remote workers working for people. But as people realize the benefits, are they starting to embrace digital entrepreneurship? Yeah, I definitely think there's, with COVID, a lot of people are out of jobs. So uh, when that does happen, people are forced to look at alternative ways to make money. And I own a software plugin where it's, it's very conducive to those people, or it's very attractive to those people that are just getting into the space. And once COVID hit, there was a big surge of people, you know, buying this plugin and utilizing it to build an entrepreneurial website or online business. And I kind of see a lot of that trends because so many people are out of work, they're going to be looking for to getting into entrepreneurship. And I, I do think a lot of governments are realizing that they need to start attracting these remote workers, these digital nomads. And even here locally in, in Tbilisi, Georgia, they're offering a work remotely from Georgia. There's a lot of other countries who are also uh, trying to come up with visas that are going to work for these type of new travelers that are going to be slow traveling, staying in a country for maybe three to six months, maybe even longer than that. And I think overall, it's going to really help build a more sustainable travel industry because people are going to come to a country for six months instead of two weeks. They're going to expand themselves out of the major tourist areas into more local economies. And overall, they'll be putting a lot more money over a six-month period and building up industries that are a little bit more sustainable and aren't so oversaturated. Um, do you know if New Zealand is investigating that at the moment or there's been any worse? Because I would think that we would be pretty well positioned at the moment to, you know, 
like who's coming to us for two weeks at the moment with two weeks right. of quarantine. <laughs> Whereas I've I've always thought being able to open up New Zealand with with um, remote entrepreneurs, you know, digital entrepreneurs who wanted to find somewhere to travel to, there could be a large opportunity to bolster our damaged tourism industry. Yeah, I, I honestly think that Australia, New Zealand, they already have the infrastructure. They have the the working holiday visa infrastructure where they're trying to attract people to work locally and they could easily add on to that to make some sort of criteria. For example, here in Georgia, you need to have at least $2,000 in proof of income per month. Uh, you need to have insurance. And I don't see why they couldn't do something like that with the working holiday visas. You know, it's the the working remotely visa from Australia and New Zealand. And yeah. I utilize both in Australia and in New Zealand. And if you're American, you can actually go and work for a New Zealand company uh, for up to a year in New Zealand. And it's free. The visa was absolutely free for me to, to just show up and start working for a, a New Zealand-based company. So there are a lot of good alternatives already set. And I think a lot of countries are going to be able to either build off that or kind of pivot into a new area where they're, they're looking to attract these kind of location independent professionals and entrepreneurs who are are looking for something like this where we want to go and and actually you know pick up build build kind of a, a longer community or build a base where uh where we can work remotely from a country instead of just visiting for for a couple of weeks sounds like a wonderful future that up until this year to me, it always seemed like, oh, well, that's that's only something that you could do if you were footloose and fancy free. Whereas I, I think it's um, as as you say with corporations, do, how how much are you? Do you think corporations are embracing this? Like yours, you say that there's been this massive growth in remote working, um, fifteen year jump ahead. Where is that growth coming from? Is it is it purely because of our situation, or is this something now that's going to expand off into the horizon? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I think all these corporations are just they're getting a mandatory trial of you know being thrown into the remote workforce, and you know if everyone has to have access to it. You know, there's going to be a big percentage of those corporations that see the benefits. Some of them won't. Some of them will try to go back. And I think overall, they'll, they'll maintain. But the people who are going to be able to pivot and utilize this as a turning point to expand their hiring pool, reduce their overhead costs, you know, a lot of the, the commer- commercial real estate markets are going to have to get really creative with getting their, their tenants back into the office. Because right now, there, until there's a vaccine, it's going to be really hard to, to justify having everyone come back into the office and justify those costs to, you know, to have a, a big office space that's not being utilized, right? So I think as long as efficiency maintains, they're going to, from the employee standpoint, they're going to see a lot of benefits. They're going to see, okay, my employees are more happy working from home. They don't have to commute. We can increase our longevity of employees. A happy employee is a happy company, right? Because they're they're going to stay longer because they don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, moving locations to to defeat some sort of commute. They're going to save money on overhead, and they're going to also save money by just not having to rehire employees. There's going to be less churn if they're able to build a sustainable remote workforce. So, I think there's going to be a lot of people who 
take this and kind of run with it. But obviously some people will just try to go back to what, what, what they were doing beforehand. And some industries will be easier to transition, right? Some industries, will, it'll be a lot more difficult to, to do remotely. It's going to really affect the, um, the, 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 I'm sure it already has affected the, the business property industry. Um, the, 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 the amount of rent that will be being saved on from bottom lines of some corporations will be fairly, fairly large. I know that that's already being actioned by a lot of companies here in New Zealand. There's, there's, there's no longer this need for a large, big corporate office. Right. I think a lot of the, the people are going to see the benefits and, and just have to run with it. I, I don't really see too many industries, at least corporate industries, that, that really essentially have to have this. But they're going to have to do, do something to have that in-person impact to build culture. And a lot of remote companies, they get together every quarter. They do an in-person event where maybe it's the whole week. You're doing team building. You're doing presentations. You're doing trainings. You need to have that kind of in-person, uh, that in-person event and that in-person culture, because as much as you can do on remote working, you still need to have that to really build uh, an impactful and and good company. I think people are going to have to figure out what works best for them. But a lot of the smaller, you know, under 100, 100 person companies that I've, um, you know, helped grow over the years, they at least have a, a quarterly or Maybe it's every, you know, every three or four weeks they're getting together in person. And maybe it's, you know, once a year they're getting the whole company, but maybe the marketing team is meeting once a month to work from a coffee shop or, or someplace where they can kind of all get together and, and talk about their, their day-to-day. And then, you know, some other type of all-hands all meeting where, where you're planning something that's going to get the whole company together. So... Even when you can't get out to a physical environment for these, it's it's important to have that social aspect. Do you uh, would one of your? I, I was going to ask you for some of your top tips for managing or, or um, leading remote teams. Um, it's something I do, so I'm being a bit selfish here because I'm hoping I'm going to get two or three really good tips um, from you. Um, but I I do think it's uh, it, it's it's Again, leadership must come into this. It, it, we can't just be relying on everybody to completely self-manage, right? Definitely. And I, I think a lot of people, you need to have some sort of management software put in place where you can put tasks and you can easily see what's going on. I personally like uh, Trello and uh, Monday.com for project management. Those are two of my favorite software. And uh, I think almost any company can kind of utilize that to to give out tasks, to see how, how the progress is going. And you could essentially, you know, peek into the virtual office, make sure people are, are getting things done. But again, none of those project management stuff's going to work well unless you have clear goals and KPIs that are going to be, you know, that your employees are going to have to be trying to maintain and meet uh, on a monthly and weekly and daily basis. So you have to use both of those together. And as far as like non you know, non-work stuff, I think you need to have that. Like if you're trying to build a, a good company culture, you need to have like the monthly happy hour where you're just meeting with the team, having a virtual beer and just kind of like catching up, trying to talk like non-work stuff. I think every company should try to implement something like that. Uh, in the past, we've done virtual coffees, 
virtual happy hours. Usually happy hours are with a lot more people. The virtual coffees can be, if you use Slack, there's even Slack bots that'll like randomly match employees together. They'll start a DM and then they pick a time to like have a virtual coffee. And again, uh, it should be kind of structured where, hey, let's maybe like 10% of the conversation is about work, but the other 90% is just like, what's going on with your life? Like, what have you been up to? What are you watching on Netflix? Like, what's going on there? And that's going to really help build that company culture because it's going to introduce employees who maybe they need that forced interaction to go out of their way to, to get to know each other. And, you know, if, if a problem comes up, they're going to be, they're going to feel more comfortable reaching out to somebody after they've had that one-on-one conversation. And it'll just make the company jive a little bit better. Uh, and especially now you just have to get creative in this remote environment because we can't really have these, these big in-person events. Yeah, although although we can we can have bigger global events now, <laughs> small people can have big global events. Uh, like exactly. you, you must you your your traditional view of geographical boundaries would have probably been far more fluid than most people listening because of your history of remote working. But um, that's something that I've really really noticed this year is how people are so willing to collaborate across time zones across. Um, country borders oh yeah it's it's definitely given people a lot of access and i think a lot of people are just more willing to like get on a call now because there's not much else to do like you know i've I've opened up my calendar to to get on calls on the weekends now because there's literally not much else going on and i'm happy to like connect with people and 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 try to talk to them uh because i enjoy doing it's something that i i really look forward to yeah, yeah, it's been for me. It's been the the real, um, the real sparkle of this year for me has been the the amount of conversations that um, has happened. It's um, it's been more. I have more conversations per day now than I've I've ever had before. Um, there's no travelling to and from meetings. There's no having to try and find big blocks in the door. You can have fifteen minute conversations, twenty minute conversations, and everybody's very happy to to share their time as long as we um, there is some outcome involved. Like we're all we've all become a lot more outcome focused and a lot more um, better at problem solving. Um, that's something that would be fairly required for successful remote working, I would imagine. What, what, what traits should we be cultivating in ourselves for successful remote working and um, working in this new virtual environment? Yeah, I think what, probably one of the biggest traits is just communication. You're going to have to really like over-communicate, figure out what communication method works for your team and uh, for your employees. Not everyone's going to enjoy a, a, a video Zoom meeting. Some people are going to prefer text. Some people are going to prefer audio calls. And I think you really need to like figure out the right balance because, for example, let's say you're doing eight hours of meetings one day and all of those are Zoom calls. That's going to be a lot more fatigue than if you're just on an audio call for eight hours. And I think you have to find the right balance. I don't think you know every meeting needs to be a video meeting. There's a lot of meetings that should be because you can have a little bit more interaction, but there should be some times and places where, hey, this is going to be audio only. I understand that, you know, if it's an all hands meeting or something with 20, 30 people, it's not going to be really necessary to have everyone's video on. But you got to find the right balance, what works for your your team. And 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff like that where you just got to really figure out one communication is is probably the biggest trait. I would say the second thing is just for your team to try to instill that independence to really figure stuff out on their own. And I think a lot of people they they really have to to figure out if they come up to a hurdle, they they need to figure out how to overcome that on that on their own. And I think entrepreneurs are great with that, but not every employee is going to to be feel so comfortable you know, trying to figure the stuff out on their own because they might fail or they might not get the results that, that you're hoping for. But I think that's a skill that you can try to learn and try to build uh, with your company. But I'm, I'm curious, what do you look for when you're, you're hiring uh, an employee normally? For me, it's funny, all of, for me, it's definitely an, enth- it starts with an absolute enthusiasm and passion for customer experience. Um, it, Believe it or not, it's 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 a very new discipline to so many people. It's very much based on common sense and human interactions, um, and there's there's a there's a huge growing body of um, information and principles that can be applied inside and outside organisations. Um, so they don't need to know all of that, but it's just to have a, a human-centric outcome. Um, but the, the, the self-starting um, side of things is, is super important. The, the, the enthusiasm to actually want to achieve something. Um, that's something that I've changed what I've been looking for. Like I guess even in myself last year, I was far more... Like how busy was I? What am I busy enough? <laughs> you know, is it? Um, I was active. I was judging myself on activity even more so than outcome. And this year, it's been much more because there's been so much to focus on. It's been trying to get to the the heart of the problem to try and get to the um, the solution as quick as possible to move on to the next <laughs> fire that might be on the horizon. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those things. Like whenever you are hiring somebody, if your your emphasis and your company emphasis is on customer relationship and customer building, finding employees who are going to jive with that kind of overarching goal and overarching culture of the company. Anytime you can align, you know, the goals of the individual you're hiring with the company goals, that's what that's where you're going to have a win win. That's where you're going to have buy in from the employees, mm. and you're going to find that passion and that and that draw to really you know overachieve uh, at whatever they're doing. And I think a lot of companies struggle with that once they meet a larger size. It's much easier to do in kind of a boutique company where you're able yeah. to align the the goals of the the individual and the company. Although I'd say doing it remotely is incredibly difficult because we're just not you just don't. There's so much, there has to be a lot more trust in the relationship, I think, um, because you we are. It's funny. I've been writing down some of your tips. Like I don't think that we've been doing the social side of things very well at all. I think we've been very much business focused, and as I've worked from home for quite a few years, and so I'm just quite steely and you know, get focused and, and put my head down and I put my music on and I can, I've got the tricks, but I, I, I know that not everybody is necessarily practiced at that or great at that. So then it becomes an element of, I think that's why the enthusiasm is so important because the enthusiasm will get you over so much and, and everything else can be taught as well, apart from, from the enthusiasm to, to, to want to deliver it for our customers. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, building that culture is a part of that, like a part of that enthusiasm has to come from, you know, non-work, you know, topics and conversations that you have with people and maybe the, your goals for the company, or if you're listening in your, your goals, your personal goals and your company goals, they need to be clear to the employees and, and they need to see that overarching vision. If they don't, if they don't see and feel that vision of where the company is going, they're going to just treat it as a job. They'll just going to, they're going to do the bare minimum and they're not going to, yeah, they'll, they'll be successful and, uh, and they'll, they'll get things done, but they're not going to have that, you know, long-term buy-in. So I think that's where those conversations come in when you're having virtual coffees, when you're having, you know, and happy hour with your employees, those conversations of where, where you personally want to want to be, where you're kind of, how you're feeling with the job. And, it kind of like lets people loosen up a bit. And I don't know, I, I think it's, it's good to find the right balance. It doesn't always have to be a hundred percent work. I think there's good to, you know, maybe 90, 90% work, 10% kind of just building relationships with your employees and with your company. Yeah. I mean, it's what we say in whether it's employee experience or customer experience, it is all about human experience. It's all about the human relationships um, and showing understanding. I saw a wonderful, one one thing that I guess coming back to managing remote workers, especially in this very stressful year, I saw a wonderful email from, and it could well have been a, a you know, a, a copied and re-edited and shared, but it was an email from a manager to somebody who was going through lockdown one. And it was just remember that you are not working from home. You are working from home while managing a family, while trying to look after your mental health, while trying to be a partner. Um, there's all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, in this very, very um, stressful year, it is important that we we do this as well as, well as we can for our mental health because some of us could be doing this for, for quite some time more. Um, but also, hopefully, a lot of us will be doing it through a lot more through choice instead. Um, before I let you go, tell me all about your book. Um, you must be very proud of yourself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the book's been featured in Forbes, Lonely Planet, Entrepreneur.com. It's called Global Career, How to Work Anywhere and Travel Forever. It's a number one best-selling book, and you can pick it up at globalcareerbook.com. Essentially, it'll teach you how to transition your life to working remotely, building a, a lifestyle that's a little bit more flexible and allows you to travel and work from any location that you want to. So I am very proud of that, definitely. And if you do have any questions, feel free to get in touch. You can find all of my social media and information at globalcareerbook.com. That's wonderful. And before we go, in the lead up to Christmas timestamp, we're, we're a few weeks away. Where, where are you going to be um, at Christmas? Are you still going to be in, in Tbilisi? Yep. So we're hosting a little Christmas kind of uh, dinner, I guess. Uh, so with a small group of friends here. But this is the first year that I haven't traveled back to the States. Normally, for the past 10 years, I've gone back to visit family and friends for around two weeks in the US, but yeah. this is the first year won't happen. So going to still make something here because I know a lot of people are kind of, you know, trapped here away from their friends and family. So want to have something where everyone can kind of come together. Yeah, yeah, that that 
the the uniting um the real the real meaning of christmas of us all coming together not all of the we're we're having an interesting um retailing christmas here in new zealand we've got boats the, the the news today was that we've got lots of shipments of retail products they're just stuck out in the waters it's taking two to four weeks to get um boats through our ports at the moment because of employment issues so um i think i i, I personally think um rough on retailers but but me with four kids, it's good that we can get back to just ha- just being about the time that we are together and and having um, those human relationships. Yeah, it's all about spending time with uh, your loved ones, right? With your friends and family, and that's that's kind of the core core uh, core thing with with the holidays. So I hope everyone is able to achieve that despite the the current situation. One thing over the Christmas period. Um, Remote working sometimes, and and you you brought it up at the beginning of the podcast. How um, like to get that work life balance and to to have a point of separation. Have you got any tips for those that might be struggling to leave work alone for the week or two over the Christmas period? Yeah, I think you need to really set the clear expectations of what the the working. Uh, period's going to be with your employee or with your employer. You need to figure out what the expectations are. Make sure that you know you're you're meeting those expectations. But I would hopefully, you know, most people are going to allow their employees a couple weeks off to just enjoy enjoy that time. And don't be <laughs> make sure it's a clear cut cut time. I've I've had it, you know, vacations where it's a workcation where you're still working, you're still online, and that's not really a vacation. You need to fully shut down for multiple days, not have to worry about uh, your work. And in the past, when I've gone on vacation, I've deleted Slack. I've logged out of email. So anytime I did open my laptop or something, I'm not seeing any work notifications. I've turned off all, all notifications on my phone. Give them like a, your phone number if there is some sort of emergency to contact you. But you need to have those clear digital detoxes where you're shutting off. You're not constantly being... Um, you know, checking in on, on emails and slacks and and stuff like that. So I I think that's really important and definitely try to find something productive to do, whether it's with your, your mental health, you know, I I like to recommend people. And I also personally do meditation. I just installed a a home workout area where I have a pull-up bar and it's like in one of those locations where every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do pull-ups and do some workout. It's just kind of always in your face. And my my lockdown goal is to do 100 pull-ups every day for the next two months and uh, make sure that I'm able to kind of shut down from work and and find some sort of activity, whatever that is. I, I know you mentioned you, you're going golfing, uh, you I think, one week. Trying to. Yeah, it's fine. I... We spoke to a lovely gentleman called Wedamu Matthews, who's a personal trainer, and he gave us this 15, 3, 1, 3, and 15 regime. And he said that for one of the biggest things that we don't do for ourselves is actually give time to ourselves, you know, completely unplug to do something that's physical, that gets us away from work, that gets us away from all of those everyday stresses. Um, and he he says you should give yourself 15 minutes every day, three hours every week, 
one day every month, three days every quarter, and 15 days every year. And that the, the key is to have them locked in. And for me, the three hours once a week is to is to go golfing. And it is for the for for God, I sound really wanky here, but the zen-like qualities that it gives me, you know, just to be able to not think about the usual day-to-day 2020 oh, yeah. issues. There's something to that. You need to find whatever activity that is. For me, I was swimming every other day. And mm-hmm. You know, even when you're at the, when you're working out, I have headphones on, I have my phone, but the swimming thing I'd go to, I, I swam for like 30 minutes. Then I'd go to the sauna afterwards. You need to find some sort of activity. Like even in golf, you, you can probably go the whole time with, you don't need any electronics with you. No. Uh, so I need something like that. I think that you can build into your, if it's once a week or once a day, it can be as simple as going for a walk outside for 30 minutes and just kind yeah. of clearing your head. Like. I, I think it's important to to do that, especially with uh, the working from home environment we're in. You need to find something something to break away at least, you know, once a week or once a day. Well, my my wife has found it harder because I'm always here, um, and she she kind of set herself up a little mini personal training area with some kettle bells, and um, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. Just for, even if it's just five minutes of physical exercise, just something to get the endorphins running. It's it's so worth it. Oh yeah, and there's not really like there's so many home workouts now on YouTube, and yeah. you can really like, I mean. We did a, we did one the other day, and I'm like still sore from it. And you can get a really good workout with just a yoga mat, a resistance band, and YouTube is it's not super cost. It doesn't have to be that costly. You don't have to build a a full home gym to get to get like your your workout routine in. I bet there's been a big growth in people doing that this year, though. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I have a few friends that are in the kind of home workout niche of you know, e-commerce and stuff and their, their businesses have absolutely exploded this year. Yeah. And, and, and some others in the, in the wider industry, I would imagine the gyms are having a, a, an awful year. So again, and, and, a, a, an industry that could be transforming overnight. And we had a guy on the show, you talk about 15 years ahead. He was only saying five years ahead on average for all industries. I think I, I can, completely get that it's 15 years with with this digit with with your digital solution because remote working has got the ability to transform the way that we do business and the way that we run run our lives and in the new transformational economy that's going to be welcomed by so many so so thank you so much for coming on the show and exploring it with me i know it's not exactly customer experience related um but as a as i say we're we're now so many of us working virtually and remotely and um, providing our experience um, through the virtual and digital world that I thought that it was a, it was an important conversation to have. So thank you so much. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, we'll put anything in the show notes, but how should they and how would you like them to contact you? Yeah, so feel free to, to message me on LinkedIn at Mike Swigunski or to just get in touch at mike at globalcareerbook.com. You can find all of my information and everything we talked about at globalcareerbook.com. I've got everything linked there. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. This is really exciting. I love talking about the remote workspace. 
this is exciting times. I know it might not feel like that for everyone, but <laughs> this is going to be a big shift for the better. And I, I know we're going to come out in 2021 in a better place than w- where we started. So I think those are really there, good everyone. words, mate. I think those are really good words. And honestly, I like, like it's, it's not just, it wasn't just for the show. I'm, Absolutely. As they say in New Zealand, I'm absolutely rooted at the moment. It's like being the longest year ever off the back of two other incredibly long years, it seems. But um, it's, uh, I do. Someone was asking me, I've, I've got this excitement about next year. It does feel like this year is going to catapult us and so many industries forward. So, uh, yeah, positive words. Thank you. Thank you once again for coming on the show, mate. And um, have a wonderful Christmas in Tbilisi. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening today. I hope you got some really solid value out of the conversation. If you did get some value, please consider subscribing using any of the links below. We are on all major podcast platforms. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or via our website, www.halftimeorange.co.nz. Look forward to speaking with you next time.